You're listening to the summary of the interview. For a link to the full-length episode, please check the description below. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! I'm joined by Zach Weiss of Elemental Ecosystems, working on water retention landscapes. For me, it was a really deep and profound love for nature. And I always wanted to find something where I was working in nature outside as much as possible and how to help people connect better with nature. And a real logical place to start is food and water because it's something that every human needs and ingests many times a day. And that's our most direct and immediate connection to nature and to the landscape. Yeah, so if you think water is really moving through the landscape, it's moving through the air, it's moving through the ground, and it's it's constantly in motion. And so the full healthy water cycle is forests that are seeding the moisture in the air, causing clouds and then precipitation. That phase change draws in more precipitation, and so you have this pump, it's called the biotic pump, where the living ecosystems of the continents actually draw moisture from the oceans, from the evaporation inland to the different continents. And so that's what we'd call the full or the natural water cycle. Now, the half water cycle is the increasingly disturbed water cycle. And so it's a water cycle of extremes where the landscape is cleared. So for one, the water that used to infiltrate runs off quickly downstream leading to flooding but then followed by drought and in the worst cases fire because the landscape is not being recharged with the water it's being desiccated water is the ultimate capital of any farmer so what we're creating is decentralized water retention landscapes so where water is being held at different points all throughout the landscape. And what this does is it makes it so that your irrigation is underground. Your landscape is sub-irrigated. So you don't need to apply all that energy to move the water, but you're also in this very long-term vision with the water where the actions you're doing in this year are gonna be felt for the next century. 
It's becoming more extreme. So everywhere that I go this year, I've worked on five continents and every place it's the same story where the precipitation is more when it comes and it's less often. And so that's something that we designed for. With these large centralized dams and reservoirs that are actually very ecologically destructive and then very energy intensive to move the water around, Whereas if you create it in harmony with nature as a decentralized infrastructure, it's actually cheaper, it functions much better, and it's easier to build. The people with a lot of money and influence are really starting to see what's coming and starting to put in place the solution for the coming problems ahead of time. So for example, Sepholzer's son, Josef, is working for the oldest organic winery in Europe because they can see that all of these water shortages are coming and they want to get their water retention put in now before it really becomes dire. And so we are seeing more and more of these big players in the agricultural sector, but also other sectors. One of the areas that I look at a lot of potential here is in flood, fire, and drought mitigation and prevention. If you think one fire in California is two and a half billion dollars of damage, and these events are happening every year, we do certainly need more and more people trained up in doing this kind of work. That's, you know, something there's a huge shortage of right now. Well, I can see why the regenerative ag community and the permaculture community pushes itself towards design and consulting because there's no risk, there's no work, there's no, I mean, you need to have some rough skill set, but you don't really need a skill set. And so it's very easy to do. It's very easy to make a living doing that, but you're not actually creating restored landscapes. And that's where we really need people putting their time and energy. I think that there's actually this huge untold story here that when it comes out is gonna be something that's actually immensely hopeful and is something that could also bridge the two sides because there's, this is gonna kind of open up another discussion which we may not wanna get into, but if you look at the first climate models, they assumed our impact on the water cycle was neutral. And water vapor is the main greenhouse gas. So there's all this water vapor in the atmosphere. There are ways that can warm the planet and there are ways that it can cool the planet. And because it's so complicated, it's going back and forth between three different phases. There's a ton of energy in each of those transitions of phases. And so it was too difficult to model. And so the first scientist looking at climate change just assumed that that was all neutral and that carbon was this big regulator of our climate. I think that that's totally false. So we have on one side, we have climate change, which is this huge thing that's gonna destroy us all that we don't really have anything that we can do about which now I actually think that that's a symptom of the severe water cycle disturbance that we're having. We can have a very real impact in that severe water cycle disturbance. And it's something that it's not 
invisible where this molecule that none of us can see is slowly heating up the earth more and more. This is whether people have clean water to drink. This is whether your animals have water to survive. This is whether your crops have water to grow. And so it's very tangible and actionable. And so I think we could go so far as to say if we actually want to address climate change, we can't do it without addressing the water cycle. When you have less water within the landscape, you're going to have less life within the landscape, which means you're going to have less carbon sequestration, which means you're naturally going to have higher CO2 levels, which actually increase the rate of growth in the plants. And so it, it wants to balance itself out if we just stopped disturbing the water cycle, it would rebalance itself. I think the biggest barrier is awareness. People just don't know that this is possible. I run into so many people and explain what I do and almost always they love it and they think it's great and they think, oh, why aren't we doing this everywhere? And it's just because people don't know that it's possible. There is a dire need to rewrite natural resource policy management. Dire, dire, dire. I can't tell you how often the things that I want to do are illegal and they're for a benefit of the immediate property and all the neighbors. It's a better use of the natural resources. The laws aren't intended to make these things illegal, but they're written in such a way that they do. Just listen to the summary of the interview. For the full length interview, please find the link in the description below. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.